What is going on, everybody? Thank you for downloading and listening here to the Camel Call podcast. I'm your host, Evan Budrovich. In this episode, we chat with one of the finest in Campbell wrestling and someone who's helped pave the way for this recent run of conference dominance in the Southern Conference. It's Paul Dugan. He finished up his career in 2016, and he got a neat perspective moving into the Kerry Colat tenure for his final two years and learning some lessons, not only in his individual weight class, but how to build a champion, how to develop young wrestlers like Quentin Perez and Jerry Hano, some of the freshmen and sophomores that were under his blanket, under his watch during his time at Campbell. He'll also explain a little bit about how to adjust to life post-athletics and how he managed to start off at a place like Applebee's and learn personal customer service and how to be engaging with an audience that has ultimately helped him land a job up in New York and working full-time. So we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Paul Dugan here on the Camel Call Podcast. Dugan, first and foremost, what is it like now as an alum of the program just to look at the state of Campbell Wrestling and, and how your impact and how it's carried on here these last three or four years? Yeah, first of all, Evan, I really appreciate you know you having me on and, and then asking me to call in and, and go from there. So I'll thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's it's been incredible. I mean, this season was really, really fun to follow the guys. You know, big win at Iowa State and just wrestled really well, you know, the entire year, top to bottom. Um, when I came in, you know, if I remember correctly, we were they hadn't beat a Division One team like three or four years or something crazy like that. And we came in with a really tough recruiting class. And kind of what the guys did this year is what our goal was. And unfortunately, there's a lot of ups and downs, but you know, you look back and I think, you know, we started making, you know, a little bit of headway um, and just, I think maybe we, we were just so young and not a lot of older guys there to, to lead us at the time. But, you know, coming down, I remember when I, when I was graduating, looking and saying, you know, Jerry and Vile and Kreiser and, and Perez and all these guys that were going to be back the next year and the year after, especially with Vile and Kreiser coming back um, and what, I kind of had seen that culture um, begin to change. I, I'll be honest, I couldn't have imagined it would have been what it is now in just that short period of time. But Kerry did a great job. Um, Chen, uh, when he was there, did a great job. And I know Scotty, um, Scotty did a great job as well. And now, you know, Scotty taking over, I think that was the, the great thing to kind of keep that culture that was, that's been there um, to continue that and keep that going. But yeah, I, I, I would never imagine they would be as good as they are now, but uh, they, they, you know, they busted their butt and they worked hard and, you know, that's in wrestling. That's the one thing, you know, there's no magic potion. It's work hard and you get your results. So. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I loaded a couple of videos from your senior year on YouTube and I was listening to them. And one thing you said before your final match on senior day was that the biggest thing you learned when, when being a wrestler at Campbell was time management and setting goals and achieving those goals. I, I'm curious because, you know, we talk to athletes and a lot of them, it's, hey, I want to go professional or I want to do this, this, and this. And I know every sport's a little different. How, how did time management be such a big part of, of your experience? Yeah. So, I mean, with wrestling, it's, you know, it's a lot different than the other, other sport. You're, you're managing, you know, your weight uh, along with, you know, trying to become the best athlete you can possibly be so uh, the wrestling you know the, the team camaraderie you have is, is a big thing but time management wise you know, you up in the morning if you're four or five pounds over it's and you have two or three classes you got that day and then you have your weigh in at five o'clock it's like okay I got to find time to get myself a workout in whether that's at 5 30 in the morning or in between classes 
Um, or if it's, you know, if you only have a couple pounds, you get it in you know, right before weigh-ins, you go get a quick, you know, workout in, but just understanding the concept of, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, make my weight or I want my weight to be here or just the simple concept of, Hey, I want to get an extra workout in today. I got four classes and I got practice at three. Do I need to get up in the morning? Do I want to do it between the classes or do I want to, you know, go and have practice, have dinner and, and then come back. And I think it's funny because it carries over into the real world uh, for wrestlers a lot more because, you know, when you're at a job and you say, okay, like I got to get this done, this done, this done. I always laugh because every time somebody asks me like, Oh, you seem to have, you know, you're not, you don't stress too much. I said, well, you know, I'm used to getting all this work done through college, but now I don't have to cut weight. I can go have a sandwich if I want to for lunch instead of, you know, going to get an hour workout in. So I just think the time management aspect, because in wrestling, it is individual. So, you know, you, no matter how good your teammates are, it's always going to matter the amount of work that you can put in. And I think you start to realize that the more you work you put in, the more results you see. I was going to joke off of that and say, you know, Carter Jim was a huge part of cutting weight, just watching and, and filming matches <laughs> in that facility over the years. But there was a certain kind of mystique to it and a certain, I don't want to say a wrestling vibe, but there was that intensity and energy from it. What was it like from your standpoint of competing, especially for, you know, the matches in Carter Jim? Yeah. So, I mean, when we first, when I first started wrestling there, um, Joe Boardwine, his big thing was, all right, you know, the Convocation Center, it's, it's such a, you know, a big place, get a big crowd. But at the time, Campbell Wrestling just wasn't, you know, we, we weren't well known through the campus, you know, it's in the South, you know, it's, you know, the fans, you know, you're not going to get a, you're not going to get three to you know 4,000 fans coming to the wrestling match at that point in time. And so it just always felt so empty. And, and when Kerry came in and, and made the decision, Hey, all of our matches are going to be in Carter gym. Uh, in the beginning, I was like, I'm not sure how that's going to go. And I, after the first match, I thought it was the best decision in terms of for getting viewers and having fans there for Campbell wrestling and for the guys, because, you know, a lot of those guys, they didn't know what it was like to wrestle in the convocation center. And it was great. But when you had, you could have a hundred fans in the convocation center and it looked like there's five people there, or you put a hundred in Carter gym, it's loud, it's hot. You have that environment where, you know, kids are going to come, you know, once you wrestle a Carter gym once, you know that, you know, next time you come there, like it's people are on top of me, it's loud. And when you're at home, that gets you fired up. You're, you're ready to go out there to put on for the fans. You got to take down early or late, you know, everybody's fired up and, and you can hear that and you kind of build off that energy. And um, I just thought, you know, at the time that was probably one of the best decisions Carrie made just to get people involved because even if, at the time, you know, we weren't getting a ton of fans like we are, like Campbell is now, but it was, it felt like there was more people there. And when there was more people there, it was just that environment changed for everyone. But you're right. It was definitely hot. I was, you know, you'd be in the warm up room and you would be thinking, man, I, I could have just came here and ran around for five minutes. I would have <laughs> lost two or three pounds. So you're definitely right. I can only imagine for you guys, you know, sitting there sweating it up. So Dugan, you, you went to high school at Western Harnett, which is, Within 20, 25 minutes of campus, so very local in your prep days, what was the decision like when you were choosing schools to wrestle at, and how did Campbell kind of situate in all of that for you? Yeah, so uh, I won the state title my junior year, and you're right, it's it's funny. I went to elementary school, middle school, high school, and college in the same county, so all in Harnett County, which is kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, so I, I won a state title my junior year, and then my senior year, I, uh, I all American at uh, NHSCA, which was um, 
Because in, in the wrestling world, a state championship in North Carolina, depending on where it's at, it's not the, the biggest thing. You know, it's not in Pennsylvania or California or New Jersey or Ohio. But it was one of those things where I knew I wanted to wrestle Division One, and I had to I, – I, my two coaches, um, my coach my junior year, John Black, uh, he wrestled at Campbell. He was, the heavy, he was the heavyweight there. I think he graduated around 2000, somewhere in that range. And then – my assistant, my the other assistant coach at my junior year wrestled at uh, Campbell as well, Trevor Smith. So a little bit of a alumni connection there. And then um, my senior year, I had a new wrestling coach come in, uh, Mike Castle. And after nationals, we were talking to Binghamton when uh, Papalizzo, actually, who's the head coach of oh, yeah. State, was he was there um, at Binghamton at the time. I think. And then Appalachia State was on the radar. Campbell was on the radar and um, a couple other schools here and there. But those were kind of the three that I had narrowed it down to. And it really came down to trying to start something at Campbell, you know, App State. You know, they're, they've been kind of right there, decent, middle of the road, um, you know, really good SOCON team for, you know, the past 20 years or so. And, and uh, Campbell was coming off of a you know, rough a rough, you know, five, 10 years to say the least. And, uh, there was a great recruiting class coming in. You know, we had, uh, Cody Ryba was coming in as an Ohio state champ, Joey Rizzolino, Ryan Krecker, a lot of really tough Pennsylvania kids, um, some really tough transfers. And I just thought, you know, this is an opportunity to build something, um, instead of, and for me, program tradition, um, wasn't a huge, a huge thing. And I just thought we got 30 guys coming in and we're all, kind of hungry and looking to, uh, you know, make some noise and, and, and kind of turn Campbell around from what it was into, into something that we could be proud of. And, you know, it didn't happen exactly the way I think everyone planned for it, but we definitely took steps in the right direction. I hope, I, I hope at least, you know, laid a little bit of foundation for what the guys are doing now. And you played a part of that as well, Paul, because Kerry Kolak gets hired after your junior year, kind of right at the end of it. And one of the decisions you guys come together on is you're going to redshirt that year, which is common in wrestling, but not for every weight class. What did you learn in that year that helped prepare you for that final season? Yeah, so when Kerry came in, it was definitely a, a big change, I think, for me, Garrison, Ludi, and Ryba, the last you know four guys that were there. And you know, to be honest, you know, I probably didn't handle it in the beginning as well as I should have, and I think. You know, a little, probably a little bit of immaturity on my side. Me and Carrie butted heads a little bit, but you know, I knew I wanted to finish my year with an opportunity to you know wrestle um, the best guys and wrestle for you know a postseason and such. Um, and so we finally we got together. We made the decision that you know I was going to redshirt. But during that season, it was just a big learning aspect. And and me and Carrie would always have conversations about you know, what his viewpoints were, his visions for the program, where the culture was and, and how little things that I might do or not do would affect, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road, because it's building a culture is the hardest thing to do in any sports program. But once you have it start to build, once you have built it, you know, people kind of fall in line and understand like, Oh, okay, this, this works. So that junior year was a, it was a frustrating year, I think, at times for not only me and, and Carrie and Chin, um, but I think senior year, came around senior year, I kind of started to understand, okay, that's where he was trying to get me to be because 
you know, I'm going to be the old guy here. And, and, you know, I got one year to help. And if I'm going to be here that year, you know, I need to be the guy who helps to lead this team. And, and I've always looked at myself as that type of person, as a leader and someone that can get people behind me. And I think Carrie wanted to make sure that if that was the case and I was going to be there, that I was leading them in the direction that he wanted that culture to go. And we've kind of seen the fruits of that labor develop now. You know, granted, when you first started, you may not have recognized that because it's so tough. But when you when you get into that final season, and especially knowing that that was a team that needed an upswing and they actually started to turn it around thanks to the likes of Nate Kreiser and, and yourself and, you know, countless others that were in that. Did you guys start to get a feel or how do you start to notice, hey, there really is progress growing, even though you may not be on the national stage per se, but just, you know, knocking those blocks off bit by bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, we were very young in a lot of places that year. You know, I think Nate Kreiser and Vile, um might have been the only um, upperclassmen that were in the lineup. There might have been one or two more, and I'm forgetting. If I'm forgetting someone, then my mistake, and I apologize. But you know, I remember us three being, you know, kind of the old guys there. And I think we we there was bits and pieces. The biggest moment that I remember where I kind of felt like, okay, this team is making a turn. And it was actually funny because it was, I think it was very, the last duel, the second to last duel of the year, where we were wrestling the Citadel, and we had lost either we had lost to them or it was just always a tough team for us coming through. And Jerry gets a takedown in the last, you know, couple seconds or in overtime to beat, to win the Citadel duel. And I just remember thinking, man, like that's a match that Jerry would have lost, you know, earlier in the year. That's a match that, you know, so-and-so would have lost earlier in the year or, and to come down and to, to battle hard and not give up bonus points and, and wrestle through you kind of started to see it turn from from that point, and then when you go go to the conference tournament, and people are, are wrestling hard and they're committed, and and you could see it in the room. Um, we came back. I, th- that was the I think the big moment for me was you know, Jerry gets that takedown. We beat the Citadel, and everyone. I kind of I knew that you know they weren't all the freshmen. They didn't understand, but you know, looking from it and being there for five years, I could I saw like hey. That's a big confidence win for Jerry. That's going to show all these other freshmen, hey, we can get out there and beat these kids. Um, and, and I thought, you know, the conference tournament's going to still be tough. It's going to be tough, especially for some of the younger kids. And But eventually, I think we're going in the right direction. And, and I think that was a big thing because when you start to see progress, that then people will start to follow. Because if you if you're doing something and you're banging your head up against the wall and you never get there, you know it's very frustrating. But you know that one little blink of light, and you say, "All right, you know, there's the end of the tunnel. You know, we just got to keep digging. We'll eventually get there." It's fascinating, Dugan. You bring that up because that, that's sort of what the sport of wrestling is is like. You have to be very patient. You have to know when to attack. You have to know how to counter. It's kind of a mental game and a physical game to it. So I'm I'm fascinated from your perspective on this. Seeing the very next season when when Nate Kreiser, and there were a couple others who made it to nationals, but he took that step, becoming an All-American and really so, sort of putting Campbell on the map, if you will. How, how proud as an alum and someone who got to train with him for multiple years, just seeing him develop and, and get to that point as a wrestler? Yeah, absolutely. And I know he'll be he'll be pissed at me saying this, but the year before when he was at 33, I thought he should have been down at 25 anyways, but you know, that he'll be mad that I'm saying that, but you know, when he went down, you know, I I realized like, you know, he's he's ready to make this full commitment and 
and I thought him and Vile and you know I wasn't I didn't know at the time how quickly Jerry was gonna you know improve and, and you know make I think he was either round of 12 or a couple matches away that year too but when Kreiser got to got to nationals he you know he, he was wrestling well and then in the round of 12 he wrestled I believe it was a Southern Illinois Edwardsville kid in the round of 12 that had beat him twice that year oh yeah they, and, he won at Campbell too and I remember that kid was fast as all get up Yep, yep, and so I remember that happened, and I and I all like and I, to be honest, I was a little worried, you know, because Kreiser hadn't beaten him that year. The kid kind of just had his number, and sometimes, you know, in a sport of wrestling, some guy, you know, styles make matchups. I think that's in fights and in wrestling, and it was just one of those kids that I think he had a lot of trouble with, and you know, he had been there so many times, and I his, you know, he had always talked about that's what he wanted to do. You know, me and him would when we would go and train sometimes, and and just sit and talk. You know, he was. You know, that was his focus. You know, that was all of our focuses. And uh, I just think him being so close so many times, he just – he wasn't – he was going to find a way to win that match, whether it was by one, whether that was by a stalling call, or or if he had to, you know, untie his shoe and figure out a way to tie the other guy's shoelaces together, he was going to find a way to win that match. And I remember once he All-American, you know, in my head, I, it was kind of the the aha moment. Like, man, you know, like, was it me? You know, and I, I'm not there, but it was, uh, you know, six, six years since I went there, Campbell was so far away from what we thought they could do. And now, you know, once y'all American, I think it broke the mold for a lot of people. And I know we haven't had someone since, but, you know, like we were talking about, you know, beforehand. And I think before we got on was there were so many guys this year that had you know potential for five or six all Americans coming out of this year. Um, and it's really terrible the way things happen. Um, but, you look back, you say that was the the mold breaker. We said, okay, you can all American at Campbell. Because I think there was a lot of you know for kids coming in as recruits saying, hey, we could be tough, we could be a top twenty kid and and things. But I I think once you all American, it was kind of the and you know the picture that he had probably had the best picture at Campbell wrestling period when he's on his knees, you know, and you look at it, you say, wow, yeah, damn, he made it. Because that, uh, that adds great perspective too of just how humongous that arena in St. Louis is and all the the different venues over the years where those um, national championships take place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you just look and you just kind of, you know, what I see from that is just a, a, when every time I look at that picture, I just see, you know, someone who is just relieved all of that hard work they've put in, you know, since they were, you know, some, I think, you know, Kreiser started when he was five or six, seven years old, you know, some people started later, but just that, you know, it's almost like that deep breath. Like I, I did it, you know, all of that hard work and all that effort, and, you know, and they all, and I've always heard, you know, wrestling's the, the sport that you can never accomplish or never be truly happy with what you accomplish. And I think you talk to anybody, any wrestler that's ever wrestled, you know, like you talk to Kyle Dick, he's won four titles and four different weights, you know, when he was in college, but he's never made uh, an Olympic team because of Jordan Burroughs and, and, and all these things. So no matter how good you are or what you make, you know, Kreiser, you know, all Americans, I'm sure if you asked him now, he'd say, yeah, I, I wish I would have taken third or fourth, or I wish I would have won it. But you know, it's, it's one of those sports where I think you get humbled over and over and over again. Um, even after, you know, a big win like that, you know, and he goes on and I think he wrestles really close and, and takes a, cl- a close match and falls on a close match. Um, and the constellation wrestlebacks after that. And, if you asked him now, you'd probably, probably say, damn, man, like, I wish I would have, you know, placed a little higher. But, you know, once you look back and put it all in perspective, you say it was all that hard work did pay off and it, it was worth it. And I think it's I think wrestling is one of the best sports in terms of a life lesson that, you know, put your head down, work hard, 
you know, pay attention to your surroundings and, and eventually good things will follow. So as someone who's pretty keyed into the program, we get to see it from our perspective, usually around homecoming weekend and the orange and black wrestle, wrestle offs on campus and, and kind of that alumni engagement. What is it like about this sport and about the Campbell aspect of it that keeps people like yourself and, and countless others so engaged and so interested in what's going on? Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting concept and, and I don't want to you know, speak on other sports. I think, you know, when, when you talk about football, number one, there's just so many people involved. And I think that's more of a, a total alumni sport, right? Where football brings everyone, everybody's going to go see the football game. That's kind of a thing. Um, and then team wise, I think you have your positions and wrestling. You have, you know, 25, 30 guys, you know, depending on what program you're at and, you're in there every day going to war. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that, you know, me and Rock, Cody Ryba, who was there, you know, we, we would come to almost come to blows and be pushing each other because, you know, I couldn't get off a bottom. He's holding me down or, or, you know, smacking each other's heads. And, and but those are the people that you become so close with because, you know, you're, you, you do anything for them. But what's interesting about wrestling is what you do in practice is the same thing you're doing in a match. So they're your brothers, but you're going to war with them for an hour and a half every day in in the practice room. And I think, you know, you kind of, you go through hell to get to heaven, right? You, you, you cut the weight, you, you smack each other upside the head, but you know, there's nothing more rewarding in my opinion. And I think majority of wrestlers you ask than your practice partner or the guy you practice with being successful. And I remember even during my, my fifth year there, Perez, you know, I kind of took him under my wing because I, I just thought the guy had a lot of talent. He's tough. And, and he didn't have rarely, rarely had success his freshman year. And, and I always feel so bad because I'm thinking, man, this guy works his butt off in the room. He's tough. He just, you know, he's just not getting the breaks. And uh, so for me, it's been really fun watching him and uh, seeing kind of where he's came from to where he, where he is now. But I just think, the wrestler mentality, you know, you're, you go through hell to get to heaven. You, you go into war, um, not only during the game day, but you go to war with your own guys in the room. And, you know, I've seen it in, in, in a wrestling room where, especially at Campbell, you know, you get guys are trying to compete. They want to make, make it in the starting lineup and they're getting beat up and they won't talk to you outside of the wrestling room for a day or two. Cause you know, they, they got, they got, they gave up three or four takedowns and, and, or you got the better of them. But, you know, if push came down to shove, they do anything for you. I do anything for those guys I wrestled with. And uh, I think it's just becomes a close knit family more than anything. I'm glad you mentioned Perez because yeah, that just watching it from our perspective, there was a kid that Colat was high on. I think he only had one or two wins in the actual team dual meets, but the kid was talented. And now, you know, they just announced he was an honorable mention, all American. So it really does come full circle. Your, your guidance must've been key there, uh, Dugan. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't, you know, he, he had four years, you know, without me, I just, you know, my big thing for him was I was always tell him and I used to tell Jerry the same thing. Like I said, those two guys were, you know, my, my baby freshman, but I would always tell both. And I'm like, Hey man, when you walk onto the mat, you're a world champ. I'm like, no one's take, no one could take that, you know, confidence from you. And I, I, I learned, you know, that, Hey, confidence is a huge part of this. And, you know, when you walk on that mat, just know that everything you did in that wrestling room was enough to win the match. And sometimes, you know, at majority of the time, you know, it's, it is. And then every, you know, you'll lose. But I just remember telling him every time, like, Hey, you're getting better. I know you can't see it. I know you can't feel it, but I'm telling you, I'm watching you from when you started to where you are now and you're way better. And then, you know, you 
you snap the fingers and his sophomore year, he comes back, has a great year, uh, qualifies for nationals. And I think that's just a, a testament to not myself, but to Perez and how hard he worked and how much he dug in and said, you know what, I want to be great. I want to be, you know, remembered at Campbell. And I was so happy when, you know, he did get recognized as, uh, you know, the Arnold Mitchell All-American because he deserved it. You know, he, as, as hard as he worked, he definitely deserved it. So, Dugan, when you were at Campbell along with wrestling, obviously, you, you were part of the, the SAC or the, or the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Give us a sense of what that responsibility is like and, and how much pride, because usually there's one to two athletes per sport that, that represent their team that you guys had in that of not only being a competitor, but also trying to help all the different sports and, and various activities you guys are putting on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was a great honor um, to be able to be part of that, you know, and just to, to meet with other you know leaders and, and, and from different teams and perspectives, because, you know, we all got in there. And I think anytime you're a division one athlete, you know, you have a certain bit of a, uh, just not an ego is probably the wrong word, but just a certain bit of, you know, confidence level, you know, when you're talking and everyone has their opinions that are in their mind, the best opinion that you could possibly have. So I think, you know, sitting down and trying to understand how different, you know, di different um, sports needed different things and, and what sports. Um, and then when talking to each other, you know, especially with the wrestlings and, and the soccers and the tennises, you start to meet different people from those different programs, you know, instead of just right around campus, you're in that little tight knit group. And, you know, you get able to say, Hey, you know, we, we have a match come here, you know, it bring as many of your teammates as you can, and we'll show back up, you know, to you guys tennis match, you know? And I think that was a, a big, a big thing about being at Campbell was you could really tell in that room, you know, the, the 30 of us, 40 of us that were there, everyone wanted everyone to do well. Um, there was, you know, there was that competitive, competitive greatness is a word that I, you know, I've heard my old AD and my high school used to use all the time, competitive greatness and would just be, you know, you can, you know, want someone else to do really well, you know, your best friend, but there might be a little bit something in you too, that you just want to do a little bit better. So when you start seeing those teams and the success that other teams are having, I think, and I think you're seeing it now at Campbell more than ever, you know, you're seeing different teams win conference championships. And I think, everyone pushes everyone to say, Hey man, this is, we could be a great school. And at, at being in the sack, you, I think you get a lot of the leadership qualities and you understand, you know, sports is big, but the community that the sports, uh, you know, that the, the go camels athletics programs, you know, bring together, you start to see it as more of a community than an individual, you know, one sport is one sport. So every former student athlete has to jump into the real world and get a job and, and, you know, kind of progress in that realm. One of the jobs I found kind of interesting that you started at, and maybe this is just a blip on the radar, but you were a server at Applebee's. And, you know, everyone has their little ups and downs and, and journeys. Did you did you learn anything there? Do you have any fun moments being a server? Yeah, so so my, my dad owned a, a catering and restaurant business when I was growing up, and, uh, you know, he eventually – uh, retired from that and um, was a teacher. So I had been in the, the server realm for a while and it was just kind of one of those things where, all right, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a job. I knew I wanted to move North and I thought, all right, well, I'm graduating. I gotta, you know, I have this, this house for you know a month or two more. I can keep searching, but I gotta have some money. So I, I took the job. Um, and it was funny because, you know, you got to talk to different people and, and just, I, I just, I enjoyed it from this aspect of I enjoy talking to people, number one, and just being able to have conversations. A funny story I have is 
I used to always tell people, you know, yeah, I used to, I used to wrestle down at Campbell and, and everything, but never a big deal. And I, and I had a guy come in one time and he was, he wrestled at the Citadel. And I think he he had a job at somewhere, somewhere in the Fuquay area. And I'm not sure what the job was. And he came in and was talking and no one at Applebee's, they were like, Oh yeah, sure. You wrestled. You know, I think they kind of thought like, yeah, he was on the team, you know, he's not, not much. He was just kind of on the team. And, uh, once I, I, he came in, he was talking to me. He said, he said, oh, you wrestled at Campbell. And there was happened to be a, a girl next to me that was working. And she said, yeah, yeah, that's what he keeps telling us. But, you know, we're not really sure. No one else has been able to, you know, say it. He showed us the picture, but he didn't say anything else. And uh, eventually he said, yeah, I know you can't tell by his, you know, by what he looks like now, but he did weigh 165 at one point. And I thought, oh, man, I've been eating too many of these Applebee's uh, <laughs> appetizers. So <laughs> I think that was a, a thing, you know, you get, you're at Applebee's and you get a little bit of a discount. I, I think every wrestler will tell you when they're retired, the first year is the toughest year because you don't want to get on a scale ever again. <laughs> no kidding. And no more late night cutting weight, adding weight, uh, you name that's, it. That's right. I tell you this, though. I still do. When I you know, when I was wrestling, if you had a little snack but nobody saw it, you know, everyone will tell you, oh, that didn't count because no one saw it. To this day, if I, if I am snacking or have a late night snack, I'll do it where no one can see me. Cause in my head, I'm like, all right, well, those calories don't count. if No one sees it. So we're okay. <laughs> so then it's pretty neat. Cause you start really diving, you know, into the working world and, and you moved up to Boston for a bit. Here you are now in the working in the New York area, kind of living in the metropolitan up there. What is it like spending three years at a company like Arban Equipment Corporation, like you are now and really getting your feet wet and, and just learning about being a professional at the highest level yeah so yeah i moved to boston originally and um was working as a recruiter there and that was just a, a quick start and, and i realized you know i was sitting at a desk for you know 40 50 60 hours a week and i just i needed to be out moving around in my opinion so i was looking outside sales roles one came across and i'm like you said i'm covering the manhattan area and now and and part of northern new jersey and it's been interesting when, when i first started I think, you know, a lot of athletes and I, I went through it myself, just kind of trying to find your way and, and understanding because my, my entire life, you know, you grow up in athletes or in athletics and, and you say, all right, well, what's my purpose? Because for so long, my purpose was to be the best athlete I could be. Everything I did was driven to, to be the best version of myself. And of course, there's hiccups and missteps along the way, but that was my main purpose. And, and then someone asked you, oh, oh, you go to Campbell. Yeah, I, yeah, I wrestle there. And, and that was kind of my identity. So, you know, and I, and I still think, you know, every now and again, it is, you know, you struggle to find, you know, what is my identity, but I'm blessed enough to be able to work for a company um, and Arbonne equipment where we do, you know, industrial equipment and, and, and meet new customers and be inside different businesses and, and have, you know, a different conversation every hour and a half, depending on where I'm at and who I'm talking to. And it's, it's been a, a great learning experience and kind of understanding, you know, where, where I came from to hopefully where I'm going. And I think it, it's, it's some realm and some shape. I, I do, want to try to be involved in sports and athletics in, in some way, shape or form, whether that's when I have kids and I start, you know, getting under them and coaching them and whether that's the case or whether it's, you know, to start helping out at a club and, and things like that. So I, I do miss it. 
Uh, that's for sure. I miss the, the sports world. I, I help coach a little bit of some guys through wrestling, um, fighting the UFC now. So every night, you know, before this happened, before Corona, obviously. Um, but it, it's it's a great learning experience. And, and, and for me, being out, you know, graduated four years ago, I'm really kind of starting to understand the life after athletics. I know it sounds like a long time, four years, but, you know, I, I think every day is a new learning day and you really just have to put one foot in front of the other and say, all right, like this is what we're doing and, and sports will always be there in some way. Well, Dugan, that's, that's great perspective. My, my final thought, and this is not really related to anything you did at Campbell, but if you had to put together kind of your, your dream team, your dream scenario here, you know, of course you had Kerry Collat, who, who was an Olympian. He, he was a national champion, so much accolades. You had Jared Turner on the marketing side who competed at Penn State and, and did pretty yeah. well himself. And, of course, you could have your teammates. You know, what is your ideal matchup? You can break weight classes and you can mix different things up. Who, who are you going to put together on the mat and see who could come out on top? Yeah, so I'll give you, I'll give you a, uh, a three-on-three scenario. How that? A little a dual matchup, a 3v3. Um, so, yeah, Jared Turner, I used to train with him a lot, too. He's a great guy. Uh, I would have to see, and both these guys will laugh at it, but I would love to see Cody Ryba versus Kerry Colat. In a, in, a, in a match because as as good as Colat is, Ryba is so funky and so long, I think he would get Kerry a lot of trouble. And Kerry's going to say no, he'd front headlock of the death. But <laughs> I think Ryba, Ryba would have a couple things up his sleeve. Uh, that would be a very interesting match. Um, I would like to see, yeah, Jared Turner. That would be, I'd like to see Jared Turner and Scotty Sintez go at it because both of those guys are. You know, tough guys. I remember, you know, Scotty up at Central Michigan. You know, he's a very tough guy. And then Jared Turner, I mean, he used to come in and train with me all the time. And especially when I was younger, and he would just beat me up with little, you know, foot sweeps and, and little things that, you know, I was still trying to figure out. And then, you know, as we kept wrestling on, he kept getting in better shape and he would kick my butt even more. So I'd like to see those two, those two guys uh, go at it. And then the last one, I mean, who wouldn't want to see it? Jerry Hino versus Vile Hino in a match to the death of the Vikings. That would be that the, the Finnish Vikings match to the death. I think, you know, you could make a pretty penny on a ticket for that one. Put it on uh, Dana White's Fight Island. That, there, there's your card right there. I, I would definitely pay top dollar to watch it. We sort of saw it in practice every once in a while, but you're right. Oh, yeah. To, to see those two, you know, Jerry obviously kept getting bigger and bigger as a heavyweight, but – Vila was about as tough as nails when it came to competitiveness and moxie. So I think those two would have some fun. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, me and Vila, I remember the one time, you know, he's very even kill guy. He got, he got pissed at me in practice. And instead of, you know, pushing me or swinging, he just pointed his finger at me. And all I could think was like, that might've been, and all my five years, that might've been the scariest thing that happened to me was he just, and all he did was point at me. I was like, all right, all right, Vila, I'm good, man. We're good. <laughs> I don't need any kind of, uh, finish finish choke out moves or anything going on over here so that's for sure gosh uh paul dugan former campbell wrestler now living up in new york and and doing things on the, the full-time job so we appreciate you jumping on this podcast and obviously we hope everyone can get back to normal here soon but but thanks for joining us hey evan i really appreciate you having me on and uh yeah stay safe everyone out there and go camels